Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Welcome to another week here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We are excited to be here with Bubba Page, the one and only Bubba Page. Well, hello. I love being here. This is great. Good to have you here, Bubba. And for those of you that know him, which is many of our audience, uh, he's you know, been a part of the, you know, the, the, well, many different startups and gone to exits on many of them. And uh, now he's doing mostly venture capital and, and investor uh, work, but uh, we're going to hear about this journey. So let's get started, Bubba. You got it. Um, so influence.vc is what I'm doing right now. That's my full-time uh, effort. Other than having eight children, that's probably good <laughs> to put that out there. Eight kids, four boys, four girls, and then I at least it's in perfect harmony and balance. Right? I know it's like we meant it, <laughs> yeah. meant to do it. And then I, I do get a question of why Bubba. The reality is, I was a fat baby. And the name stuck, <laughs> so it's a nickname. Real name is Brant, but I've never ever gone by that name. I was going to say I don't think I've seen anything like with your real name a on a two-year time frame in my adult life where I was like testing it out. No, Bubba it is. So we're friends. If you're listening, watching, call me Bubba. This is so great. Well, so, Bubba, we're happy to have you. Tell us about Influence. What do you okay, do with so that? Okay, so Influence.vc. Essentially, I wanted to combine my history and my careers. I spent, uh, you know, let's say a decade in B2B and technical arena, building a company from 09 to 2020 and selling it. We reached the Inc. 5000 list three years and a few different you know, kind of growth awards. In between there, though, I ended up raising venture capital for another company called Outro, Outro.com, and went through the Techstars program in Boulder, Colorado. It's like an accelerator like Y Combinator, if you've heard of that. Kind of like RevRoad in, in, like, in a way. <laughs> yes, not as good, but <laughs> like RevRoad, and, uh, and that was a phenomenal experience, but two years of blood, sweat, and tears, we had to shut it down. And so we'll, we'll talk about that more t- today because it really was devastating and just uh, it like changed my whole paradigm having a fail. A and sometimes you learn more from those than you do from your successes, 100%, right? 100%. And then my wife had been started blogging in 2011 um, under the name of funcheaporfree.com. Um, while I was trying to build my business, she was you know writing about our life and how we were living frugally and having kids and all this stuff. And she did such a good job connecting with her audience that she grew extremely fast. And uh, then she started Instagram and then YouTube. And today she has, uh, if I'm doing my math right, just over 2 million followers across her different platforms. Incredible. Let's give her uh, a shout out. Shout yeah. Out to Jordan. Jordan Page on, on Instagram or Fun <laughs> Cheaper Free on YouTube. Um, and uh, anyway, so there was a stint after that my business didn't pan out where we we were able to... I essentially started helping my wife scale her business. So I joined to just do the business side of it and uh, became really familiar with the influencer world, the creator space. And um, I saw how it worked from the business standpoint of how businesses would work with creators and how the creators would want to be worked or the influencers would want to work with the businesses. And, and so I got to see this from both angles. Well, influence.vc is essentially a venture capital firm. We're a syndicate today. So we, when I write a personal check, I go to my network of, of friends and investors and I say, hey, I'm going to write a check. If any of you want to join me, I only have a million bucks or, you know, let's say 
uh, available. So first come, first serve. If you're part of my network and you want to invest in this deal with me, come along and let's go for a ride. Um, and then what I do is the value add into that investment is we bring the social media expertise of how to work with influencers and what they want and potentially bring some of the contacts in, of my own network of influencers to that deal, whether as investors or as promoters of that product or service. So it's um, you know, traditionally in the venture capital space, most VCs today don't have any experience with influencers. Uh, they don't know how to work with them. They know that it's working. They're seeing it happen, but they don't have that background. So uh, today I get quite a few of the venture capital firms, either locally or, or where my network is, which is Boulder, San Francisco, I'm kind of this West Coast mostly. They'll invite me to join one of their rounds as a value add investor. Does that make sense? Yeah. So influence.vc, it's not the traditional raising a fund and, and going and deploying capital. It's a syndication, and then we bring that expertise of working with influencers. I love so how you that was longer that. than a sixty second. I'm sorry, but there's <laughs> some history involved in there. I love that, Bubba. That's that's really cool, actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm sure that that's. I mean, that's a very involved space. You know, working with yeah. influencers, contracting with them, helping coordinate and making sure they're adding value. So, I, I I'm assuming that they see that as as a huge value add. It's a win win. Yeah, win win for everybody, honestly, and I love that. I'm a collaborative type of person. I, I'm, you've taken those tests um, that shows your personality. Includer is my number one, <laughs> like character trait. So perfect space for you then. So I just, I just want everybody to get along. I want everybody to be able to join in on the fun. And so when I do an investment, I want all of my friends to be welcomed to come and do that investment with me. That's awesome. And when another uh, venture capital firm is doing a deal, or if I'm doing a deal, I want them to, to join. Um, you know, today we're not leading any rounds, so we need to have another firm be the first check and then I can follow along. We're smaller and we don't have as much of a, of a back-end team to do as deep dive of a due diligence process. So we know that by working with some of these other VC firms, they can help us on that front. And so then we bring our value. So you can follow on pretty, pretty easily. Then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of the same approach we took with the CB Vault. Um, you know, we didn't have a ton of experience underwriting that type of a deal. So with our venture debt, we are always following on other investments. So that's awesome. Kind of the same approach. Are you, and you're still doing it, right? Yeah. Well, we might need to do some deals together. That's yeah, awesome. Let's do it. Again, we collaborate. You are. You're an includer. <laughs> yeah, I can see Inclusive. it. Inclusive. <laughs> are there certain industries that have been slower to adopt the social media influencers into their, their business strategies? I mean, uh, it's kind of funny. We were just talking earlier about contractors. I think the local contractor space has has not done anything as much with influencers at all. There are some that are just absolutely crushing it on online. Uh, and so when you're talking about home building or construction or plumbing or you know, it's very rare that you you hear about them having a social presence. But there are some influencers who had the capacity and the desire to want to be online and, and be um, an influencer. There's one that is just coming to mind called, I think it's called Awesome Trim Work. And it is so fascinating to watch them as a contractor. They're sh filming essentially their expertise. They are just so good at doing trim work in these custom homes. And you watch what they do and they line things up perfectly and everything's just like mint condition. If I wanted to work with anybody, I would go to them because yeah. I would believe and trust that they know what they're doing. 
rather than whoever. So uh, there's a lot of industries that haven't taken it. Um, I mean, even look at dental or look at uh, surgeons, look at, and yet there's a one here locally named Dr. Chitty and he does cosmic cosmetic surgery and he's crushed it online. And guess what? He's got a line of like almost a year waiting list for people to get work done. Wow. Because they can believe and trust. So people want to work with people they know, like, and trust, right? We all know that that's part of our eco ethos. And um, being online, and I'm not saying being online is for everyone. I'll, I personally uh, prefer more privacy than maybe others that are social influencers, right? My wife, for example, is so good at being on camera and being able to talk to her audience and relate to them and be authentic to them. And, and for me, I, most of my camera is outward facing. When I'm posting, it's more like the kids or our chickens or if I'm at a, an event, I'm showing the cars or I'm showing the company. It's my camera is facing out mostly, whereas my wife is mostly facing in. Mm. And it's her talking and it's her teaching. It's her relating and connecting. Uh, that's a talent. You know that's, what I mean? Like it's an absolutely a God-given talent that she has and that has given her that ability to grow. And uh, and it's impressive. I, I have so much appreciation for it because it's not, that's not my talent. I'm fine to hang out here and talk with you guys and be on camera, no problem. But just me and a camera alone with no one else like talking, <laughs> she has a skill that that I, I definitely don't have. And a lot of people don't have that. So That's amazing. I just think that if we're looking at the next 10 years, right? I, I don't know if I can plan my life in more than just 10-year increments. It's even hard to look out 10 years. But I look at influence.vc um, and I believe it will be around a minimum of 10 years with that idea around social media influencers can help to scale businesses that I invest in. And, and whether they come in as an investor with me alongside me or they come in as an affiliate or as a partner to promote the business, I do believe that will be around a minimum of 10 years in some way, shape or form. Will Instagram evolve to something else or will Twitter become X or some other letter? Maybe, you know, <laughs> will TikTok have some other? Yeah, I think it'll, all of that will move and change, but the concept of having an influencer of any kind, I think is here to stay. Um, I think it's always been here. Uh, if you think about, you know, wanting to wear Michael Jordan shoes, I know I had a pair of patent leather, right? Jordan 11s. When I was in high school, I wore them for volleyball. But I wore them because it was Michael Jordan who wore them. Well, he influenced me to buy his shoe. So even back then, there was Bo Nose. Do you guys remember Bo Jackson? Oh, for sure. I know we're of, of similar demographic yeah. here. If you're too young, Bo Jackson was an incredible athlete. Football, oh, yeah. baseball, just crushed it professional. Well, he has that you know, picture of him. Do you guys remember this horizontal picture where he's holding the bat, but he's got the football pads. Everybody wanted to be Bo. <laughs> yeah. And so guess so what true. shoes I had on in third grade? Bo Jackson cross trainer shoes. He influenced me to buy those shoes, right? And it, it, we've always been influenced. Look at the red carpet. Whatever the people are wearing at the red carpet, people are going to go buy whatever that design. So the idea behind influencing is not new. It's been around. It's just evolved with the digital age. We've been influenced by magazines. And before that, we were influenced by TV. And before black and white TV, you were influenced by the speaker that came around or the person on the, on the, the road preaching or whatever. Um, so I think that concept is, is, is here. It will evolve. And, and I'm sure we can evolve with it. Concept behind investing 
is it's just one of my passions. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I've been through the the grind of building a business from scratch, bootstrapping one, venture capital with another, and then you know building profitable businesses with my wife. So I've been able to see multiple elements, high growth, slow decline, uh, you know, all, all of the elements, hiring, firing, all of those pieces. So when I write a check to an entrepreneur into their company, I feel like I understand them at a deeper level than some of the venture capitalists that have never been an operator. And if you look around town, I love them and I'm going to continue to work with them. Not all of them have had a chance to be an operator. And I want to help to bring that expertise to the table. Um, I was talking to another one the other day who had to lay off, not lay off, he had to fire, uh, to be specific, um, two of his developers. And he was just like stressed and just, ah, it was so hard. And and he was having a really tough week. So he and I hopped on the phone and, and we talked about it. He's like, man, I just, my other investors don't have this experience. So I really appreciate you, Bubba, for sharing how you went through it and how you handled it and how you got out of it, the funk of going through some of those hard times. Anyway, I love it. So combine entrepreneurship and investing. It's like mind-blowing stars and sprinkles. Perfect combination. I just am having so much fun. It's exactly what you wanted to do. It's It's exactly the Venn diagram. Like I'm right there. (laughs) I love it. I, I mean, it's not without difficulty. It's still difficult and there's still challenges and and am I testing my confidence? And am I testing my skills? Absolutely. When you were a kid, did you think you were going to be an entrepreneur? Like- Never. I didn't even know what that was. So, okay. So dad's a podiatrist, foot doctor. Brother became an ears, nose, and throat doctor, pediatric ENT. And my brother's a, a general counsel, like an attorney, lawyer. Uh, my brother-in-law who married my sister is a dentist. All, all of them went the professional route. Professionals, yeah. And so I'm completely the black sheep of the family. Well, you're the business doctor now. I'm the business, you can say <laughs> that, business doc. And, um, but it was in college with my very first attempt at a startup. I got invited in by these other, uh, these other guys to do seat ability. Pretty clever name. We were doing office chairs. Mm. Seat ability. Mm. Okay. And, um, you know, the short story was... Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. Four guys had served their um, LDS Mormon missions in Taiwan. So they saw these bungee chairs and were like, whoa, let's bring them to the United States. So they did. Then there were two of us who uh, served missions, like one in Germany and I was in Brazil. So we couldn't help with the Mandarin side of it. But uh, but we, we did this thing for two years and I ended up selling my equity to the, the other partners. Two of us sold to the other four and I wanted to go get other life experience. Um, unfortunately the other four, three years later had to declare bankruptcy. They weren't able to go through it, but it was right during the 2008, nine era. And, and they just, recession. it was a really, really hard time. Right. Yeah. And I feel horrible that they had to go through that experience. Um, I was able to walk away with cash from that exchange. So I sold and, um, and, and was able to walk away, but that opened my, that experience in college opened my eyes to what an entrepreneur was and what was the potential And if there are any students out here listening, being a student and an entrepreneur is the absolute primo time to just give it a crack. You're like, go, go try it because primo, I love it. (laughs) It's the best time. I I think, um, to at least try it. If you're 40, like me, you can still try it by all means, but you probably have a mortgage and you probably have kids. You may not have eight kids, but you probably have kids. (laughs) And uh, you probably have a job and you probably have a lot of responsibilities. You can still do it. Just if you are a student, 
you have a lot of free resources at your disposal. And key piece here, students, if you're listening, people want to help students. The second you're no longer a student and you're a professional, nobody really wants to help you anymore. I mean, there are people who will and mentor you, but for the most part, like you're now selling them something versus getting advice as a student. So I just take advantage of all of the student resources of any of the universities around or, uh, or schools. And, and there's a lot that you can do with that. So it's amazing. that's how I got started. It's amazing how many companies are started by students. Yeah. And most of them are probably not going to be the biggest company ever like mine. It wasn't, but it gave me the, the guts to be able to take that next step, that next leap of faith. And then I also, I got lucky in 2008, I went through, um, kind of like RevRoad, uh, it was called Junto Partners back in the day. Mm. So Greg Warnock, he's a legendary investor here locally. Yeah, Greg's um, awesome. And, uh, and Alan Hall, he started a company called MarketStar, sold it up in Ogden. <clears throat> they basically took these 200 applications, narrowed it down to 20 young entrepreneur-minded people, and put, them th- put us through an eight-week course. And it was once a week in person, and then they give us challenges. I remember, and they were, and then at the end they pick five as like who they would continue to mentor and potentially fund their business idea. It was unbelievably important for me. So like what you're doing at RevRoad and what you know other people are trying to do to educate and, and give experience to these young entrepreneurs, it was invaluable because that was the moment where I went to my wife and said, "I think I want to start a company." Like I want to start my own company. So that flipped the switch for you. That yeah. So the intro was in college, and then I took like a year gap, a uh, year and a half gap of just working, trying to gain some experience, and then in 2009 started launchleads.com, um, and still going by the way. Um, anyway, that that really gave me the guts and the the feeling of of confidence to just give it a shot. And the reality is, it's was crappy for like two to three years, like barely got a page. First year, no paycheck at all, none. So my wife worked full time, no kids yet. And she had basically, we had agreed that when, when we had our first child that uh, she wanted to be at home. That was, that was her choice. I supported that choice. And that I better be able to take care of our family. <laughs> Do it or else that kind moment, of thing. Right? right. And I promised basically, if I can't take care of our family by that point, I'll just quit my thing and I'll go get a job. So talk about a fire that was lit under my seat. Um, and so that was really motivating to be able to say like, okay, I got to figure this out. But for the first year, I took no paycheck. But guess what? My first son, he came in 2010. So I had basically one year. And from 2010 and 11, I, it was like sporadic paychecks because I had to pay payroll first before I could pay me. So, you know, I'd pay, my, pay myself after payroll was done if we had money left over. And uh, so those were lean years, hence the blog, fun, cheap, or free, because we were trying to do everything we could, um, you know, to stretch a dime, stretch a dollar, more like dime. <laughs> stretch a penny sometimes. Stretch a penny. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then, and then just grinded through it. But had, having mentors was a very key element for me. And, and I know I get, I get asked this question all the time, like, well, how do I ask you to be an, a, mentor, a mentor? Or how do I ask anyone to be a mentor? Um, it's a really tough thing to do because most entrepreneurs who have had some level of, uh, whatever financial success or company success, they're going to be crazy busy, right? They're being pulled in a million different directions. 
So how do you get them to be a mentor? And uh, somebody said this the other day, and I loved it, so I'm going to take it. Um, they said, provide value first to that mentor. And, and the young you know, entrepreneur is like, what value can I provide? I can't do anything. Like the, and it was interesting. There were some examples of like, there was a young um, entrepreneur who really wanted that mentorship, and he was good at websites. So he went to the mentor of his choice and was like, I can't do much, but I can help you with a website. Can I help build a website for you? Um, and I would, I would, you know, love to get to know you better and hear your story and all this. So he created a relationship. He gave first. So TechStars, uh, the Boulder, anyway, that's a whole other story. We'll go down. It's all about giving first. When you give first, and especially if you give first without necessarily expecting something in return, that's the right way to do it. If you're giving, expecting it to come back, then that's, you can sometimes feel that and people don't always love it. But this young entrepreneur basically said, hey, let me just help you build websites for your businesses and I'd love to get to know you better. And that was it. There was no like, I want you to be my mentor. I want you to teach me. But of course, inevitably, they ended up talking. And of course, he was able to ask questions. And of course, the entrepreneur took him to lunch. And of course, you know, that relationship happened. But he did it by giving first. So you got to be a little bit creative about what can you do to give? What expertise do you have or what you know, can you work hard on something? Do you, uh, uh, you know, maybe you don't have a, you can't build websites, but maybe you know social media or maybe you know video. Influencers. Influencers. I love it. I love it. Whatever it is, um, you can provide some kind of value somewhere in order to get to know and build a relationship with that mentor. The nice thing about a mentor versus an investor is that an investor has ulterior motives, right? So when I write a check, I hope that I act as much as a mentor as possible, giving them true, honest feedback without any ulterior motives. But the reality is if I have $200,000 betting on your company to succeed, and my advice should be to tell you to shut your business down and go pursue something else because that's what's best for you, that's probably not what every investor is going to tell you to do, even though it may be the right thing. Um, so investors, uh, you know, I am one, and so I'm shooting myself here, but like there is an ulterior motive because we've, we literally have a financial interest in your business succeeding. You need a return. You need a return. Yeah. The, the group needs a return. Every, so mentors are usually not who you want to go for to get an investor. It's great advice. I don't know if we've heard a lot of that kind of advice here on the show, but that's keeping them separate is probably very important. I think I when like you're that. looking for help personally, their mentor can give you personal advice for just you because they love you. So my mission president, for example, love the guy, Craig Earnshaw. Has he been a mentor for you for quite a while? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he may think, I've, I haven't been a mentor, but he has been. And he tricked him into it. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. know yet, but he is. Hopefully I served him. set him up with some influencers, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, so he was the first check into Podium, which ended up being a pretty good investment, right? Um, and so he knows investing and he's been around a long time. He sold his company, um, that he built. Uh, but the long story short is like, he has provided, um, you know, the relationship we built over time provided value. And when I came to him in the hardest of times, he gave me advice that was for me personally, not necessarily for whatever business or thing I was working on because he, I know he loves me and he values me more than some business. Does that make sense? That's really cool. So yeah, a mentor has a different perspective than an investor. 
So it's really important for um, entrepreneurs to go out and find, maybe put some thought into who that mentor should be for them. Yeah. Because it's not something you just flippantly go and just ask whoever. Yeah. Right? That's great advice. It, to me, it's kind of like getting a, a good book, yeah. right? You've got a great book, or nowadays you've got podcasts, or nowadays you've got people you can follow on social. I, back in the day, that just books were around, right? Uh, the podcasts weren't really around, and the YouTube wasn't really around. Influencers were different. You couldn't get as personal with them as maybe you could today. It's more like spokesperson model. Yeah. Right? And you can learn a lot from that, right? We talked about the e-myth, right? If there's a book for a new entrepreneur, read the e-myth by Michael Gerber. It's old, 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 but it hits some core elements that I think people need to know to determine whether or not they should or you know, should be an entrepreneur. But like Michael Gerber, even though he was the author of that book and that impacted my life, I can't, he didn't mentor me. He couldn't have answered questions personally that I was going through, but I learned an incredible amount from that book. So you, you use these other resources, but I think mentors, even one or two, can really dramatically shape the trajectory of your career. Even if it's not as an entrepreneur, just mentor period in any industry can, can drastically increase your success, in my opinion. Do you think part that. of that is because of the accountability factor of having a mentor? Like, you know when you talk to that person that, like, you're accountable for all the decisions that you've made, and so you're thinking more critically about I your role. That. Yeah, I mean, if you go and, and your mentor says, well, what are you going to do? And you answer, say, well, I'm going to start this thing. And the mentor says, when? Now. And you're like, <laughs> by the end of the month, I will have this website done, or I will have this thing done. Yeah. I mean, just being, having somebody to hold you accountable is great. Or like, even if you're like preparing, I'm just thinking about like preparing for those conversations when I've had situations like this, like I start to think in advance, like, Hey, I know kind of where I think they're going to go. Uh, and these are the questions they're going to ask. I better be ready to answer those questions. Yeah, absolutely. I just, anyway, that's just one of those key fundamental principles as an entrepreneur. I think you, you should look at. For they come cool. up all the time. Mentors. That's cool. Yeah. Bubba, here's a, here's a question, shifting gears just a little bit. You talked about influencers, right? And, and I want to hear, you know, the rest of your journey. We're only halfway through it. But, I mean, I talk to so many entrepreneurs on a daily basis, and a lot of them are jaded with the whole influencer movement, right? Yeah. Because they spend all this money, they get very little value, and then they're frustrated, right? So totally. how what is your strategy in working with influencers, and how would you recommend people do that most efficiently? Well, if we're talking about startups, mm -hmm. um, they should almost never – sponsor any influencer whatsoever. <laughs> and the reason for that, sponsoring is a flat rate that they just pay no matter what the performance is. I would suggest not doing that as an early stage company um, because you don't know enough of that person to know what kind of performance they can, they can give. I would suggest an affiliate program um, is a way that you can pay on a pay for performance basis. They would, there would be a lot less jaded people if they would have worked with an influencer through an affiliate program. Now, it's harder to do an affiliate program because not all influencers want to do an affiliate program because it's not guaranteed money for them. So again, as an influencer myself, I have products being sent to me all the time and not to the, to the level that my wife gets free product all the time uh, as I have a 10th of her follower base, right? Um, but I get these products that are sent to me all the time. 
when they come to me and say, hey, we'll pay you X just to post about it. You know, hopefully influencers are saying, one, is this a product that I actually like? Am I authentically going to speak about this? Or am I just taking the money and, you know, spinning it to my audience? I think that's a very short-term focus for influencers that will burn them in the end because their audience can tell, they can feel it. This guy or gal doesn't really care about that product. They're just doing it because they got paid, right? When you have a product that you know you love and you're willing to use or you were using it beforehand, you're going to feel it on the, end of the other end of the camera. You're going to hear it and feel it. Then if you have a loyal following, which is because you've been authentic and you haven't been just churn and burn with products, that loyalty with your follower base is what will generate conversions. So if I were to say this shirt, which is, it's actually shout out True Wear is a local company. I'm wearing their shirt today because I love it. It's one of those shirts that I could dump water or catch up on and I could just like spray it off and I'm good. It's stretchy. It's comfortable. I feel like it looks good. It's got a stiff collar, which I like. It's fitted. I love it. So I can authentically say to the camera, I love the shirts that True Wear puts out. There's another company, And Collar. It's very similar in style. I'm just kidding. These are local guys. I'm giving them a shout out here. Ben Perkins. We had him on the podcast. And I love awesome. it. And I yeah. love their product. Their yeah. polos are my favorite. They have like the golf looking polos. They, I think, make me look great. And of course, I'm going to wear something that makes me you look, look great. You look great, Bubba, by the well, way. Thank you, you look great. But, but, but I can talk about it authentically. And because I can talk about it authentically, I'm willing to do an affiliate program, which means when I tell my audience... I can get paid a commission if they buy something. The nice thing is I usually give them a discount too. So most affiliate programs may be a 10 and 10, 10% commission, 10% discount. Um, the, the better the commission and the better the discount, the more conversions you'll get. So if I can give you 20% discount and a 15% commission or 20% commission or 30% discount and a 15% commission or something, the better it is for both parties. It's a win-win. The, the audience loves it. I love it. And hopefully the company loves it because they're getting pay for performance value revenue. And it would probably be audience members they wouldn't have access to otherwise, or at least and it would take a long time. even if they did have access to them, it still takes us seven to 10 touches to convert a new customer, right? Yep, very true. So having a social influencer talk about it one, two, five, 10 times, you're, you're going to convert people. There's no question. So, so anyway, that's a long story. I love it. No, this is fantastic. This is what our audience needs to hear, you know, because there's just a lot of confusion. How to work with them, what, you know, how to engage them, how to get, you know, how to maximize that exposure yeah. with influencers. And and there's no real good way to do it. I think it's kind of custom each time, right? I, I don't know. I think you can set up. So here, here are some maybe to, to avoid the custom approach. If you can base Instagram based off of a two cent per follower basis, if you were to sponsor them, it would be roughly two cents per follower. So my 58,000 people on Instagram, you'd essentially pay just under 1200 bucks if you were to sponsor a post, a reel, a story, something like that. And that's just a one-time one time thing. One time. Yeah. But you're ta- what you're talking more is, is a campaign. I'm, well, yeah, you typically do want to work with somebody more than once because of that sure. seven to 10 touches to convert a customer, right? Exactly. But if somebody were to sponsor, that's where the rates would come in. Now, my wife, who has 550 plus thousand followers, they're going to be paying her almost $12,000 to do that. 
That's a pretty big chunk. Now, she has 10 times the amount of followers, hence she should probably convert 10 times as many people. So it's okay. That's why the, if you base it on a rate per follower, that gives you an idea. So if you're thinking of, okay, that's how much I would be paying to sponsor, but as an early stage company, don't sponsor, right? So don't do that. But think about that as probably the value you're getting in return when they post for you. I like that formula. Yeah. That makes and so if you sense. can think about it that way. Mm -hmm. So if you, for example, sent me a product, you sent me this mic and you said, Rode, they said, Bubba, you're going to be on these podcasts. I want you to talk about these road mics. They're the best in the market, and I want you to test them. And if you like them, we want you to promote them. And we'll pay you 15% when every, anyone ever buys a road microphone. With your unique code or whatever. And my generating. unique code is Bubba, and it gives you 20% off. Right? That's, the, that's a process. When I do it the first time, I may not have a ton of conversions because it's the first time I've ever spoken about it. It's something that's new. And so please entrepreneurs know when an influencer talks about it the very first time, the conversions will be low because the audience is like, huh, that's a new thing. I've never heard him talk about a microphone before. I wonder if he really believes it. I wonder if, he, if that really is the best microphone. But if I talk about it seven to 10 times, I'm probably gonna get conversions. Now you have to convince me as the influencer that I freaking love this microphone because I'm not gonna talk about it seven to 10 times unless I'm a huge fan of this microphone. And that's where obviously the quality of the product has to come into play. Um, and if I'm even interested in that product, like I don't have a podcast, I join podcasts all the time. So would I use a Rode microphone? I might, could I want to start a podcast someday? Maybe. Do I wanna record you know, videos for my social content and have a better microphone? Yeah. So if Rode is listening, send me a microphone. I'll, I'll check it out and see if I like it, right? Come on, Rode, step up. But that is one thing that the entrepreneurs need to know when you're working with influencers, you're almost going to always have to give them the product for free. There are some, if the product is in such high demand that you can give it at a discounted price to those influencers. If the influencer, if no demand is there, you're just gonna have to give it. You're literally just gonna have to give it to people and then you're gonna have to hope that they see value in it and that they post. Now, if that's your case, then what I would do is pre-create their discount code and a unique URL for them. And when you send the product, send them that link, a unique link that tracks and a discount code with their discount and then a commission so that they don't have to say, hey, I'm interested. Can you send me that stuff now? And there's a delay. Just pre-create it and send it. That's a good idea. That's, like that's that. one way to help facilitate. The other thing is do your dang research. Like what influencers would actually care about your product? Truewear reached out to me directly. They obviously know my wife has a, a following, but she's probably not going to post about a menswear. So they sent it to me because it was for my following. Whether it's on LinkedIn, I have 21,000 people on LinkedIn that follow me and the, you know, my Instagram. So they sent it to me because in hopes I would like it. I did. And now I've got a bunch of their clothes. And yes, will they send me free clothing here and there? Absolutely. But I'll still post about it because I love it. And, and my, I know that there's some backend commission that can be made from that. So if you have a very expensive product, and maybe this microphone is an example or a very expensive camera, and you can't be giving a $1,000 product to every influencer, then you've got to find a way for them to try it to fall in love with it. Electric car, for example. They're probably not gonna give a Tesla away to a Tesla influencer. 
but will they invite you to their grand opening or hypercraft, right? And let you test the car, film the car, be in it, be the first VIP, maybe send you swag, a hat, a shirt, a, you know, whatever, a bag. Yes, you can do that. Um, if you can't give that thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollar product away, find some other way to incorporate it. Yeah. And and to get that influencer bought in that they love that piece. And then here's here's a unique caveat, and maybe we're out of time, but like here's a unique piece that most people are not doing, only at the highest level of like A-list celebrities. Is they're giving equity for influence. This is not happening very often. I think I can say this. I'm going to say it. Say it. I think it. I can say this. Here we go. Say it. Let's do it. <laughs> so I wrote an angel check to Gab Wireless. They're a local company, Safe Tech for Kids. I got eight kids. They do cell phones that are no internet, no no social media. I love it. We love Nate Randall. He's awesome. He's great. And, yeah. and just the story, the mission I am passionate about the mission. I've got eight kids. I don't want them looking at all kinds of stuff on the online. And of course, they can find it in other places. But I want to use a trainer phone where they can not have to have social media and not have to have internet on their phone. So we wrote a little angel check. You know, we agreed to do that as a early, early in their seed round. Well, then they wanted us involved to share and promote their product. So they gave us a commission and a discount code, and we started sharing the product. Well, I had negotiated to convert a portion of that commission into equity. So check this out. It was a pay-for-performance commission-based structure. They, they did give us phones. So that was, you could say that's sponsored. They did Fun give us bonus, phones. Yeah. Bonus. But we promoted it. We generated almost a half a million dollars in product for in, in revenue for them. And you convert less, you converted that in equity. Or a and we were able to convert the commission and only part of it. They wouldn't let us commit uh, do all of it into uh, into equity because it was a lot. Um, but they we were able to take a portion of that and convert it into more equity on top of the check I had already written as an investor. Then they paid us the rest in commission and and continued to have that affiliate program. And we continue to promote it because now that I'm an equity owner in this business, I am a lifelong supporter of their product. I love it. And I will continue to talk about it forever because it's such a good product. And I am an investor. I want them to succeed. Well, that value of the business, I'm not going to share. I don't know the exact number, so I can't share that. Has, but I believe has gone up at least 20 times. So the money I put into it in that early time, I believe, is getting close to a 20 times multiple. That's awesome. Well so done. as a diversification, if I would have just taken that money as a commission, sure, I could have turned it into some other investment. But why not? If you're an influencer listening or businesses, if you're early stage enough, if you're way too far beyond, maybe you could do stock or something, but like early, early stage, think about it. What would you do to generate a half a million dollars in revenue for your business? Would you give a point to an, inv to a, to an investor slash influ influencer? Would you give a half a point? Would you give five points? Would you give 10? Like, what is that worth to you as an early stage cust customer, uh, company? 
And if you find the right influencers, and if you do it on a pay for performance basis, and I know you can't always do pay for performance. If Tony Robbins came to me and said, Bubba, I love your business. I want in. I would say, I will hand you anything. Here is half the company <laughs> just for you to be a part of it, right? No pay right. for performance, no nada. I love you. I think you're amazing. And I want you to be a part of this. Here's literally half my company just for getting involved. You know what? That's going to happen sometimes too. If it's somebody at that level, you know, of celebrity status. It's worth it. Really. And they could dramatically change your business. A, a, a quick story. Deion Sanders is all the rage now, right? He's wearing these glasses and supposedly people were getting upset that he wasn't taking off his glasses to talk to people. So they were talking about it online and the news channel was like, why won't Dion take off his glasses to talk to these other adults? Guess what happened to the glass company that he had pre-worked out a deal? They sold $2 million in sunglasses in a weekend. Wow. Just because Deion Sanders was wearing the glasses and there was a little bit of controversy around him wearing the glasses and their sales skyrocketed. Power of influencer and the media, right? Absolutely. Together. So you obviously have the A-list celebrity statuses like the Tony Robbins and like the Deion Sanders and like the whatever, right? Celebrities. But then you have these macro influencers that are like 500 to a million, you know, type of followers. And you've got more, you know, macro and then nano and all these types of levels of influencers. Can you give a product away to every single person who has 5,000 followers? No, you probably can't depending on your product. Um, but try and target who might be your right person. And then also you'll get a different level of engagement. The person who has a million followers will have a, a, probably a lower percentage of engagement than the person who has a 5,000 follower base. Because 5,000 followers, they're all their best friends. They're very authentic, yeah. And so they'll have a higher conversion rate than maybe the person who has a million. Now, at, at scale, you're looking at a bigger pie. And even though it's a lower percentage, if you have a million followers, it's probably a lot more in total sales than the person with 5,000. Does that make sense? So there's some, yep. so I'm digging deep with you guys I to like, it. you know, share, hopefully entrepreneurs are listening. Like this gives you a little bit of an idea of how to work with influencers. If you were a company that I had just written a check into, I'd spend two to three hours with your company doing this and laying Cause that's what I do. It's not a service. I don't charge. It's just like, if I'm writing a check as an investor into your company, I want you to succeed. I'm going to come and share my knowledge with you. I'll share my network with you at no additional cost. Like I'm an investor. I want, we have an aligned incentive. Huge value add. Right so, there. so this is, you know, it's, it's a piece of the pie that is obviously ever changing, but uh, hopefully this gives you some baseline fundamentals of how to work with influencers, how to get your mind thinking about it. Um, don't obviously, in my opinion, don't count on influencers being hundred percent of your sales, leverage it as a sales channel, but then you better have other channels, but it is an incredible billboard of awareness and it will convert into actual revenue, but please don't just bank your entire company on influencers alone. There may be some where that is their sole strategy and I get it, but for the most part, you should have other channels. Maybe it's Amazon, maybe it's uh, uh, another reseller, or maybe it's a, another, you know, expert in your field that, you know, Think about it. In Email campaigns or whatever. The Email campaigns, yeah. other social posts or content. Yeah. or. Um, but I do believe it's here to stay. I do believe it's a growing market. I do believe that social influence, as long as it's authentic, will continue to stay. 
the the churn and burn, that's going to continue to decline. And um, trying to find those people who have an authentic, loyal audience, that's probably the difficulty of most companies and why some people feel burned is I just spent 10 grand working with an influencer and I got nothing. And I would say, well, did you do the research? Have you looked at what their other posts have done? Have you talked to any other companies they've worked with before? Did you actually call them and get a reference? Hey, how did they convert? Did they actually convert? Did they not? So before you spend your hard-earned money, do a little bit of research. Like you would do the same if it was a marketing approach. If you're going to spend money at a trade show, you'd probably do the research. Is this the right trade show? Or is this the right audience? Is it the right location? Is it how much money can we spend? Like you're going to do the research. Do the same. It's just another channel. And it can be very powerful, but it's just another channel. Anyway, that's my, I'm totally on a soapbox. I love it. No, I no, love I it. This, yeah. Very helpful. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I did have a question as you were going through this. You said, if you're a startup, don't ever sponsor an influencer. That may be but strong then, words, but yeah. Yeah. But then as you went along, like the other side, pay, pay for performance makes a whole lot of sense. But when does it not make sense? Like it seems like every company out there should be pushing as hard as they can to do pay for performance or some of these incentive base or like equity or whatever. When would it make more sense to do a straight like sponsor of If you have somebody on your, in your eyesights, in your target, that is like your absolute 100% ideal influencer. You know it through and through. You've done all the research. By far and above, that is your person. But they don't care about you. <laughs> okay. You may have to sponsor. That makes sense. So, so if, if you can get their attention though, and if you can get them your product, and if you can get in front of them, use your network, find a way to meet them, to build a relationship with them. Because if you can build a relationship, they still might be willing to do an affiliate program. But if they're untouchable, in your opinion, you may be forced, if that's the way you want to go, that you may just have to sponsor. And um, I still don't think it's the right move. So the default should be these pay for performance types. And here's the thing. It's harder. Companies are going to, you're all going to tell me, I've tried it. It's super hard. Nobody will do it. Well, yeah. If you talk to a hundred influencers or a thousand influencers to say, which ones do you want? Influencer, do you want to be paid pay for performance or do you want to be paid in sponsorship? Guess what? A hundred percent will say sponsorship. But do you think they're short-sighted on their side as well? Absolutely. But that's easy, fast money. My wife, on the other hand, and I'm going to give more props to her, she, yes, has done sponsorships, but she's taken those products that, that she's known, liked, and trusted for a long, long periods of time, and she's done affiliate and has earned way more yeah. than the, the potential sponsorship because yeah. of her audience and the loyalty and, and how much she loves it. So, yes, but they will never do that first. Yeah. If, if it's their first interaction with a company and you ask them sponsorship affiliate, always sponsorship because you're an unknown entity to them. They're, you're an unknown product. Will their audience like it or not? Even if they are bought in and they like it, they don't know. They also don't know if your website can convert. Are you going to take the leads that come and are you going to do what's right? Are you going to treat them correctly? Are you going to be the best customer service that you can be? Or are you going to treat my people like crap? I don't want to promote your product, but I don't know that from you yet. I haven't worked with you before yet. It's true. And if I have any fear or hesitation, I'm not going to promote your product. 
if I can come to know you as a company and get to, you know, I think Mixers has done a really good job. They're one of the fastest growing companies in Utah. I think one of the fastest across the country. And, you know, Jess Toulson, their CEO, um, she's taken this unique mindset around influencers as, uh, as a relationship. Now, her target are moms, and so she has mom influencers. She's a woman, and I think that helps. She's able to relate. They're able to do trips, sleepovers, and parties, and she can connect with them at a level that maybe other CEOs couldn't do. I don't think I could do the same with that targeted demographic because, one, uh, even I hate to bring up gender, but, like, I'm a man. And so if I'm, you know, gathering all of these women together and we're going to do a party and we're dancing and staying up late and doing all this fun stuff, they may not feel as comfortable with me as they would with somebody like Jess. So she has an advantage. She built a product to, to her advantage, and they're doing phenomenally well with influencers. But does she take care of her influencers? For the most part, I think she does. She's sending out product monthly to those people who convert, to those people who are generating affiliate. She's sending out product to them for free monthly. And then, I got to say this real fast. Yeah, yeah. Her top, top affiliates, she takes on trips. You don't know how motivating that is to some of these influencers. Even though, let's say the total cost of the trip was five or 10 grand. Like technically, the influencer could probably just pay for that out of pocket. But knowing that it's a free trip is like the perceived value is so much greater. They will work above and beyond for that free trip. It doesn't work with every product and it doesn't work with every influencer. But I'm just saying there are ways to get creative to generate a, 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 almost like a frenzy with these influencers. But she's done such a good job with creating a relationship. And I think in any business relationships are going to be the numero uno for your success. So treating the influencer like a transaction will get you transactional results. Treating the influencer like a partner and a friend will get you lifelong results, in my opinion. Okay, I cut you off. There, no, no, you're good. That's the, I mean, that was it. That was the soundbite that we needed, <laughs> yep. right? I mean, that was, that was amazing. I, I think what I've learned in listening, you know, to you uh, over this time is that like you just said, you know, if you treat it as a relationship and, and from the, you know, entrepreneur standpoint, if you invest further in that influencer, like cultivate that relationship with additional free product and how are you doing and what's next and how can we be better? I think that'll go leaps and bounds further than what you do if you just did a one-time thing, you know, just cut a check. I love that. Yeah. That was great learning. What, you know, one thing that, uh, I'll just give another shout out. I mean, I've shouted out my wife like 800 times already. Sounds Love like you. We need to she's have her amazing. Show. Yes. <laughs> um, she's done a great job of including her audience in helping her to create her next products. And, you know, influencers have an advantage of doing that. If you have a following, you can ask your audience, do you like this or do you like that? Do you like that logo? Do you like this? Color? Do you like this one? That most companies don't have that. So right? instant feedback loop. Instant feedback loop. Yeah, I love that. And, and for the most part, you can get quality data-driven results back. Um, you know, uh, what is it? Steve Jobs that says something like, your customer doesn't know what they want. You have to like show them what they want. There's only so many Steve Jobs out there. I think most customer, most companies are trying to find out what their customer wants first. Lean startup methodology. Go talk to all your customers, find out what they want, then go build it. I think that's the right approach. Yes, there will be another Apple someday, and, and they will create a product that we've never even heard or thought about. 
and that's going to be amazing. But I think that's few, that's a lot fewer. So, um, try to get that feedback. And if you're a company that could potentially have a social following, you might want to try to create content and you may want to try to create your own following and great, create some loyalty in your customer base. Um, treat it like an email list, treat it like a text-based list, treat it like, you know what I mean? Like we are all told in our marketing classes to build an email list. We were all told to get their cell phones if you can and get them on your text-based, send them discount codes. Social followers essentially are the same. If in a, from a marketing mindset perspective, it is a marketing asset that, that you can, you know, connect with. And, uh, so that's how I would think about it for some of the companies out there. Not every company needs social followers per se, but. Well, this is, uh, this has been enlightening and, and I've had a lot of fun. Uh, if there are companies out there that are listening to this and they want to reach out to you to figure out how to kind of get connected and see if you're interested in investing and talking to them more about, uh, doing these influencers and incorporating this into their marketing strategies, how do they get in touch with you? LinkedIn is always the easiest. There's not too many Bubba pages on on LinkedIn. <laughs> Did I say LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So absolutely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to be able to connect with you um, and and stay connected. I think that's a great long-term friendship relationship building area. Um, if you want my personal life and you know kids and activities, that's Instagram, Bubba page on Instagram. You can find me there. Um, and, uh, if it's on a professional side that you're hoping to connect, LinkedIn is the right way to go. And you can go to influence.vc, check out what we're doing, see if you might be a fit for that. Um, and, and we'll go, I mean, the reality is I'll probably end up doing in the next 12 months, 10 to 12 investments period. I may talk to 2000 companies or more to find 10 to 12 investments, not to put it as a downer for any of those that are listening, but venture capitalists have to say no most of the time. I will try and provide value to someone who reaches out in some way, shape, or form, whether it's through an introduction or, or maybe some insight or some advice. But uh, this is the worst part of my job is having to say no 99.9% .9 of the time. That literally is just the worst. I hate that part. But uh, it's, you know, that's part, part of the gig. And um, hopefully I can create a relationship with them so that down further down the road, maybe it does become an opportunity or maybe their next business becomes an opportunity. And I'm all in, in it and in including, coming back to it, including everybody the best way I can, helping however I can, giving back um, because I know I've received a ton and hopefully I can give back too. Great. Oh, but this has been fun. Thanks for joining us here on the Midnight Founders Podcast. We'll Loved keep, it, guys. We'll keep watching what you're doing and uh, watching the success rise. Hey, thanks, guys. Take Loved care. It. See ya. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.